Hello, my name is Naranjan, the host of Master of Your Crafts podcast. Learning from leaders who are continuously inspired, passionate, and driven to align with their soul purpose, sharing their gifts to bring healing to others. The music is composed by Rebecca Everett. episode number 86 and I'll be talking to Michael Whitehouse who is the guy who knows a guy. In 2014 he came to Groton, Connecticut knowing no one at all. A year later after diving into networking with both feet he was a major connector in local community. In 2020 he went global and began connecting entrepreneurs, investors, speakers and others around the world to people they need to know. He offers his services as a networking concierge, making connections and building strategic alliances around the world. He is the host of the daily Morning Motivations podcast and the Neurodiversity Superpower podcast. Hello and welcome to Michael. How are you, Michael? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to have you, the guy who knows a guy and who a guy who does so many different things from money motivations to neurodiversity. There's so much under your belt there. So there's I'm curious and I'm excited to delve into this conversation to learn more about you. So with all that you have learned and all that you are doing, what do you believe about yourself and do you feel it defines who you are today? Uh, well, I mean, I've been using the the moniker, the guy who knows a guy since I wrote the book back in 2017. And um, the, there was a time when I first started networking where that was all I brought to the table was connections. I didn't necessarily really have a business. I didn't have much uh, service I could do, but I met a lot of people. And by meeting people, I can make introductions to those people. And that was a form of value I could create uh, that could serve all kinds of people. And the great thing about networking is if you network effectively, you rise to the level of the space you're in. So it obviates imposter syndrome. If I go to, to the, the World Forum in Davos and I do my thing, then I'm connecting world leaders because that's who I'm around. I'm simply a conduit between them, which is kind of cool. I never have to worry about how cool am I. It's how cool are the people around me, and I'm naturally at their level. And as a connector, that automatically brings me up to them. Um, so, so that's the the kind of through line of everything I'm doing. Um, so now my business is networking concierge. People hire me to make introductions for them to do uh, basically kind of done for you networking. I mean, they have to have the meetings, but I filter to meet connect them to the people that are worth having the meetings with, and that makes sense. Uh, and then. A lot of that success has come when I came into alignment with who I really am, uh, particularly around my ADHD, uh, which I sometimes call ADN because ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And given that I built a six-figure business by embracing it, I don't think it's a disorder. So I call it attention deficit neurotype. Uh, yes. Once I was started to realize that some of my superpowers come from my neurotype, I said, 
you know, I bet there's a lot of other people out there. Not I bet. I'm hearing a lot of stories from other people out there who are successful because of their particular neurotype. We need to share that story because there's so much about oh, ADHD is so hard and, and autism is, is so di- difficult to deal with and dyslexia is such a disability. Meanwhile, there's people out there saying, I'm a millionaire because I'm dyslexic. I'm a millionaire because I have autism. I'm a millionaire because I'm uh, because I have ADHD. Right. We should be sharing that story. That's that's where we really need to be sharing. So that's where the Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast, which as we speak is has been on the air for all of three days. Uh, yeah. So the, the Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast and the and the summits and the masterminds and all that are coming out of that. So that's a quick quick overview of a bunch of things about what I'm doing. It's beautiful and so enriching and so diverse in all that is offered to encompass all of who you are, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do a bit of this and a bit of that. Yeah, and, it, and it's fabulous because as entrepreneurs or individuals who are self-employed or choose to be their own boss, if you will, sometimes it's more challenging for us to look at the the ugly pieces of ourselves, right? Um, and we just want to focus on the good because that's what's going to p- potentially generate leads or income or contacts or whatever that looks like. So good for you for repositioning and reframing the ADHD piece as a as a superpower. So well done for that. Well, when I, I say we look at the ugly parts of us. Most people look at the ugly parts of themselves all the time and wallow in them and cover themselves in them and and don't look at the positive parts. So they say, oh, I have ADHD, so I can't get a good job. I have dyslexia, so that holds me back. Instead of looking at at that part, you know, ADHD comes with pluses and minuses. Autism, dyslexia come with pluses and minuses. Being tall comes with pluses and minuses. Being male or female comes with pluses and minuses. Sure. Uh, you know, advantages and disadvantages. And most people like to focus on their disadvantages. Because mm. your disadvantages are a great excuse. Oh, I can't do that because I have ADHD. So I don't need to try. I don't need to put mm-hmm. effort in. I don't need to think about it. Can't be done. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think about flying to the moon. I can't do it. It's not mm-hmm. worth putting any energy. How would I get to the moon? How would I build a rock? I can't. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to think about it. I can end the conversation right at the beginning. I don't really want to go to the moon. It's very cold there and uh, very hot when the sun's on it. I don't like heat. So don't want to go to the moon. But <laughs> But so many people focus on that negative. They they say, why can't I instead of how can I? So for things I do want to do, like not work for someone else, have money, take flying lessons, buy a house, which I've done. Uh, for, for those kinds of things, it's how can I? What do I have? You know, take an inventory of what you have and then realize, realize the strengths you have. And very often... The, the first exercise you can do is look at your perceived weaknesses, you know, all the reasons you think you can't and ask the question, how is this weakness a strength? So if you, if you're saying I've got ADHD, I can't focus. I have trouble getting things done and say, well, what in ADHD could be the reason I could succeed? Um, or, you know, another example that you hear sometimes in the corporate world, not so much in the entrepreneurship world, um, but in the corporate especially, is is someone who said, well, I can't get ahead because I'm a, I'm a woman. And, you know, women can't get ahead because of the glass ceiling. Well, 
women have access because a lot of women decided they were kind of fed up with this and had a lot of knowledge and skills after years in corporate, um, having to work twice as hard to get half the recognition. Mm-hmm. They went off on their own and started mm-hmm. forming their own networking groups and their own support mm-hmm. teams, their own coaching mm-hmm. programs. So yep. there's a lot of resources I don't have access to, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I don't, okay. that women do have access to. So yes. because corporate is not a path, there is now this other path. But if you're focused on, well, I can't get ahead in, in business because I'm a woman and I'm a woman and the men in leadership don't want to promote me. Okay. How is that a strength? The strength is outside corporate, there's a, a much smoother path where in five years you can be out earning all those jerks who aren't paying attention to you running your own business. And then of course the, the the best success is to get invited back as a consultant to the company you quit because they wouldn't uh they wouldn't recognize your <laughs> your abilities where they now pay you more than the people you're advising. So you can tell the guy who ignored you how to fix his company. Uh Absolutely. Yeah. But it's really about, you know, looking at those weaknesses and the reasons why I think you can't do it and saying, how is this a strength? Whatever it is, you know, mm. I've got kid, I've got four kids. I need to, to take care of them so I can't get ahead in business. How does having four kids help you be successful? Mm. Some of those successful, but I, I joke that the qualification for a successful operations manager is having some number of kids over two or three. Because almost every operations manager I know working for an entrepreneur has multiple children. And Mm. the consensus is if you can manage two, three, four kids, then you can manage Then whatever the (laughs) business is doing seems simple compared to that. Because at least no one cries or throws something at you when you try to (laughs) make them do their job. And it's all in perspective, right? It all comes in perspective. Absolutely. What do you believe is your calling? Or one of your callings in this life? Uh, so my overall calling is bringing people together. Uh, mm. So networking is part of that, making connections. Uh, the Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast and Mastermind are part of that, bringing together to share ideas. I've created a uh, private exclusive networking group that's invitation only, which is about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my other calling, kind of more mission-based, the one that, that almost by definition can't make me money uh, is that I want to help people navigate the modern economy. Hmm. Most people are living by a playbook that was written in the fifties and sixties. So Hmm. we still live under this delusion that you go to school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, get hired by a good company. that will take care of you, work the the promotion track, uh, retire with a gold watch 35 years later. And that existed for the the mainstream worker between about 1948 and 1975 mm-hmm. uh, it, that like that was a span of time there were people who were born during that time who didn't get into it because it was over by the time they got to work like that's how mm-hmm. short a window it was that's but it was right. long enough to impress on impress on at least the american psyche uh, and possibly some around the world as well I'm only in America, so I don't know. But yeah. it's enough to impress in the American psyche. That's how business works. Yes. So you have people who grew up in the 90s who are being told this how it works. And they didn't experience it. Their parents didn't experience it. No one they know experienced it. Because prior to World War II, a very thin sliver of the working world experienced that lifestyle. And after the 80s, a very thin sliver to almost none of the working world experienced that lifestyle. And now we're back to a more entrepreneurial world 
whether mm-hmm. you are a employee or you're in your own business, where if you want to get ahead, you switch companies. Mm-hmm. Pretty much nobody gets ahead unless they're really good at office politics by staying in the same company for 30 years. Right. Doesn't yes. happen because because they, they hire from without, they promote from without. If you want to get a raise, you need to That's at least right. shop yourself around and go to your boss and say, hey, I just got this offer. Are you going to match it or am I leaving? Right. Uh, which is you know an awful way to run a business and a terrible way to, way to run an economy, but it's how it is. So if you're still thinking that you go to school, get a good job and you'll be okay, it's, I, I, the analogy I use is it's like kids spend their entire education learning to play baseball and getting Mm -hmm. the right equipment and learning how to bat and catch and run and, uh, and pitch. And, and then they show up to their first day of the game and they got their, their batting helmet and their bat and their, their catcher's mitt. And they walk out into a parquet floor and, at either end, there's a hoop 10 feet off the ground and mm-hmm. some big orange balls on the ground. And they're like, this is not the game I learned. How the heck do I play this? Mm-hmm. And you got a bunch of people wearing catcher's mitts trying to play basketball mm-hmm. in the economy. And meanwhile, other people who learned to play basketball were just running past them, grabbing the ball, slamming it in the basket. They're saying, this, this, world, this world's not fair. Well, if you take off your catcher's mitt, you take off your batting helmet, put down the bat, and play basketball on the basketball court, you're going to do a lot better. But most people, no one's taught them how to play basketball. No one even knows which hoop they're trying to get the ball in. So so what I found is it's actually surprisingly easy to get from minimum wage work to making a decent living, but it's a completely different path. Mm -hmm. It's not even risky. Like in, this isn't the eighties where, Starting your own business meant needing a hundred thousand dollars of investment, getting an office, getting a phone line, you know, doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You can start a business now with go to town hall, spend five dollars for a DBA, or don't, you know, website, yeah. Facebook account, couple business yeah. cards for fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can start a business for a hundred dollars mm-hmm. or less mm-hmm. and start making serious money, but no one's telling people this. So this is this is my mission. This is my calling is to spread that message. And of course, people are so indoctrinated that a lot of times when I tell them, they're like, what? No, you're that that's that's not the right way to do it. We need to change the government. We need higher minimum wage laws. We need this, we need that. And yeah. Like, hey, good luck with that. In the meantime, you want to learn how to not be broke? Yes. Yes. And it's so interesting how you talk about that indoctrination, because even though we are way beyond the 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 time zone of that golden watch era mm-hmm. of lifetime achievement award so to speak with one company the indoctrination of higher education and the process of getting all of these accreditations is still very strong and i'm not mocking higher education i think it's valuable and it's needed for certain things and causes and mm-hmm. careers absolutely but for some individuals or for some career paths, I don't believe it's needed. Yeah. I don't, I really don't believe it. I think there's a lot more education and a lot more insight and value available on the shelves or in e-readers. Uh, a million people have written books probably over the last two years of their experiences and mm-hmm. insights and um, wisdom that they have gained in life. So... Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing is if you're thinking, 
I, I, I want to get a business degree. I want to get into business because business is kind mm-hmm. of the generic thing you might do. You're thinking, I want to get into business. So should I spend $140,000 go to business mm-hmm. school? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. It is. Or here's something else you can do if you're willing to spend a bit of money. Live with your live in your parents' house. You don't have expenses. Mm-hmm. Start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And the mission of the podcast is your journey of discovery. Figure out the direction you're looking to go, whatever it is. Have some kind. Of, I want to be a coach. I want to be a graphic designer. I want to be a whatever. You know, have right. that mission in mind and then find a hundred successful people and interview them on the podcast with the premise of I am seeking advice from a hundred mentors, 30, mm-hmm. 60 minutes at a time. I'd probably do a long form, 60 minute podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, 60 minutes at a time and talk to a hundred people who will on the air give their experience, their advice, tell their stories, probably coach you. Cause as I always say, coaches can't not coach. That's you get right. a coach in front of you and you tell them what you need and they're going to start <laughs> coaching you. Plus yeah. every coach loves coaching on the air because of when people say, so what's your coaching like? Oh, I actually did it on this podcast. Check out this interview. <laughs> uh, it was great. So let a hundred coaches coach you on the air, give you their advice, teach you things. And you will come out of that with, first off, 100 connections, and second, 100 hours of advice, which right. you can now go back and listen to any time, focused on what you need, answering your questions. Mm-hmm. And then if at the end of that, you're like, okay, I think I'm still not there, then go to college. Right. Then spend $100,000 if you need it. But right. that's what I did last year. My podcast was 50 or so interviews, getting successful people on my show. It's, it's the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, uh, season uh-huh. three. Uh-huh. Um, 50 or so people and asking them, asking them how they're successful and how they got there. Like, what's your story? Nice. What did you do? How can I do it like you? And let them teach me. And Beautiful. I got tens of thousands of dollars of free coaching wow. recorded. I can go back and listen to it. You can listen to it. Anyone can listen to it. Mm-hmm. And from that, I launched, I launched a six figure business in six months mm-hmm. because I went out and did that. So like the knowledge, as you saying, knowledge is cheap. Anything you need to know, you can get eBooks for free. You can go on yeah. YouTube. You can get entire courses yeah. for free or seven dollars, twenty-seven dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. by by even without a podcast, you could probably go to a bunch of people and say, "Hey, could yeah. could you know you share your knowledge?" But a lot of them are going to say, "You need to pay me because that's what I sell." Sure. But you put them on a podcast interview, and they'll be like, "Sure, I'll share knowledge on a podcast." Mm-hmm. That can be exposure. Um, so there's so many paths that are so simple once you know them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more, Michael. I think it's also making a decision of if you chose to, if you choose to do higher education, how many hours are going to be required for that? Even Mm -hmm. if you break it down into a year, was it a five year degree, whatever, how many hours are you going to commit to actual school time, study time, and, and all of that, and then do the conversion and mm-hmm. see what that's going to look for? And yeah. another really interesting point that you you leaned on there, and I really value that, is finding a mentor, finding a guide, finding a coach, finding somebody who is going to resonate with you to motivate you and empower you to to stretch a little bit more out of your own comfort zone because mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know. And that's why we we invite people who know more and who know better um, for us to guide us on that path. So I'm a big advocate for that. And I just yeah. feel like I need to put a disclaimer here. 
in institutes or uh, academia places, I'm not poo-pooing them. I have higher mm-hmm. education myself. Um, and it was amazing. It was brilliant. But for, for it to translate in everything that I'm doing today, not quite, but one could always argue that point anyways. Well, but. well and the, the problem with higher education is, that is most people do it backwards. So if you're saying, I want to be a doctor, you know what you want to do. You want to be a doctor. So you're, uh-huh. you're following the path to become a doctor. Most right. people say, I'm going to college because that's what we do. I'm going to college to go to college. Right. You then get out of college and discover what you needed when you were in college. So college yeah. is a great time to make connections. It's a great day. If you're in college, you should still do the podcast path. You should yes. still be doing the mentor. And because in college, you've got time. You've got connections. Any yes. expert you need to meet you're, you know, if you're going to a, a respectable university, you've probably got nationally renowned experts at your fingertips. You can approach mm-hmm. any professor in the university and say, hey, can I, you know, can I get your advice? And that's their job is to teach you. That's what they're paid that's for. Right. Whereas once you're out of school, good luck going back as an alumni trying to get their attention. So, right. but the problem is you get out in the work world, they're like, oh, now I know what I need. Too bad mm-hmm. I don't have access to it anymore. Yes. So, you know, people going to college, I think they assume that the university will have some plan for them mm-hmm. because they're paying a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you take if you take a um, a ten thousand dollar coaching course mm-hmm. or coaching you know program run by a coach, if you take uh, I don't know um, if you join Dan Mangana's Micro to Millions program, right? And he's got a plan for you. Like the mm-hmm. the goal of that program is to get you to be able to manifest large amounts of money. So right. you can just kind of show up and say, I'm here. What do I do? And he'll be like, all right, do this, 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 and this. It takes you to the goal. Yes. Um, you know, if with if you join Joint Venture Insider Circle, then mm-hmm. they're going to say, okay, our goal for you is to get you a course that you can joint venture and make money with. And you say, right. okay, what do I do? And they say, all right, here's step one. Here's step two. Here's step three. They walk you through. You show up in college and you're like, I'm here. What do I do? And they're like, well, what do you want? And you're like, uh, wait, wait, uh, a, a degree, I guess. Okay. Here's how you get a degree. Take a bunch yeah. of courses. Yeah. Well, then you have a piece of paper. I got a piece of paper in my wall. Uh-huh. If I had a hole in the wall, it'd be great for covering it up. That's pretty much all my <laughs> degree is good for. Uh, I don't have any holes in the wall, unfortunately. So it just hangs <laughs> there looking nice and very respectable. But, but, you know, you need, if you're going into college, you have to know what do you want? So a lot of people just go straight from high school to college. And that's why you end up with kids who, you know, major in drinking with a minor in video games um, right? because they don't know what they're there for. There's like, you got to go to college. Okay, cool. Now what? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think if they realized, if, if they realized you could come out of college making half a million dollars a year, or you can come out of college making $50,000 a year, and it's based on the decisions you make in those four years. Yeah. Because you could absolutely, no question, given I built a six-figure business in six months, um, mm-hmm. simply from basically meeting a lot of people and getting their advice mm-hmm. to figure out you know, what, what my asset is that I can sell. If someone were to go into college and say, all right, my mission is to come out of here making half a million dollars a year. You know, even you know, I, my mission is to come out of college, and the first year out of college, I want to make seven figures, $1 million. Right. Right. If you go in on day one with that's your focus, mm-hmm. then... Then you're now thinking, okay, how can I do that? Who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to ask? What resources are I going to seize? What am I going to get involved in? Um, and it's it is it's cool that a lot of kids in college they get into political activism and things like that. It's a great chance to explore and learn and whatnot. Sure. It's great, mm-hmm. but 
it often that often sends them on the wrong track because they're mm. not working on themselves. They're working mm. on these grand causes, and many of the causes are misguided because right. they're eighteen. They were sheltered. They just discovered this problem in the world that they had no idea about before, and now they're yes. going to change the world. But this isn't nineteen seventy three, and you're not stopping Vietnam. Um, <laughs> and a lot of the the things that the college kids are fighting aren't that important. Some of them aren't even real. You know, mm-hmm. there are things that aren't like they're happening, but they're happening in such a small niche corner. It's not a thing. And even if it is happening, it's not that big. I mean, some of the things that they're fighting are are really big, but mm-hmm. some things aren't. It just kind of gives you the doing it for a sense of purpose, for a sense of meaning. I'm 19 and yes. I'm changing the world. Yes. Whereas they don't realize if they were to focus on themselves and their capacity and say, how can I build my skills, my network, my resources? How can I figure out my calling? How can I figure out what is monetizable? What will give me that? If you come out of college, you know, if you spend four years in college fighting to save the whales, reverse global warming, whatever it is, all good things, um, versus if you spend those four years preparing yourself to be successful, and then in your first year out of college, you make a million dollars, when you're 24, you can make a lot more impact on global warming, the whales, the manatees, or whatever else with a million 100%. bucks in the bank than yeah. you could marching in every protest you can find. Absolutely. Uh, because you're marching to get the attention of the guy making a million bucks a year. Well, shouldn't you That's become right. the guy who makes a million dollars a year? Absolutely. Wouldn't that be an easier way to influence the world, yeah. to be the person with influence than to try yeah. to find them? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, people going to college not realizing what it's for or what they can do. And everyone's indoctrinated to think, oh, you can only do so much. You're only mm-hmm. one person. That's right. And even if they are told, never underestimate the power of a small group to change the world. That's because the small group was focused. Mm-hmm. Not because they marched with some signs and bullets. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that being said, what do you feel are some of the attributes that connect you to your purpose? Uh, so I have come to realize that my ADHD really drives me uh, to to my strength. So I came out of college, you know, talk about undirected in college and after. That was me. Um, I came out of I came out of college with a degree. And mm-hmm. I did not have the patience or attention to get a job. I started the job search process, like, what? You want me to do it? And then, and then an interview, and then write a thing, and another thing, and I got it. What a rigmarole. I could just start my own business. And I did. And I didn't know what I was doing, and it failed. It didn't fail. It was very successful, except for not making money. Um, I built a okay. community space. It ended up becoming a nonprofit. The nonprofit lasted for 10 years after I left. So not nice. a failure. But nice. didn't make money, didn't get me a lot of influence. Um I bounced from job to job. I joined all kinds of organizations. I gave each one a little bit of my attention, but was never truly impactful in any of them. And spent 20 years thinking I was, you know, kind of a loser drifting from thing to thing Mm -hmm. until the pandemic hit and I refocused and said, let me follow my path finally and realized I'd gotten about 70 years of experience in the past 20 years because I drifted from thing to thing. So I came here and learned something and I went here and learned something and went here and learned something and went here and and everything I started and did for two months and then went on to the next thing. You learn the most in the first three months you're doing something. Yes. So I learned all that Mm -hmm. and then compulsively met people because I didn't have anything else to do or know what to do. So I just met a lot of people and made a lot of connections and made a lot of introductions. And um, so through bungling around, I discovered Mm -hmm. that I love meeting people and I, my best way of learning is to do things for a little bit and then move on to the next thing and do some more things. And so that's given me the ability to make connections among people, make connections among ideas, carry an idea from this place to that place. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so that gives me my my great strength to be able to leverage those connections, both for my own business and for other, you know, I'll talk to someone who says, oh, I'm working on this, this cause, a nonprofit, whatever. And I'll say, oh, okay, you need to meet this person, this person, this person. And I'll just shoot off three introductions, three emails, nice. three introductions. And they'll come back to me and say, holy, wow, that's, this is amazing. That, this person's amazing. And this person's amazing. And, and this has been so impactful. You just moved us forward four months. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I know people. Um, yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I'm only as good as the people I know. I just know better and better people. Yeah. So that allows me to leverage. I mean, it takes me nine minutes to send three three introductions. Mm. And in those nine minutes, I create a whole lot of value. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it took me a long time. Well, at first I had to realize what I was trying to do. And that, that's yeah. why I'm so passionate about this concept of kids in college are massively underserved because no one tries to figure out what they want to do and not what job they want to have. Right. Um, but what they want to do and be and then help them get there, partly because people working at universities don't know. That's right. Because the people who understand this don't end up with jobs in university career offices. Yes. You know, if you're working in a university career office making $51,000 a year, mm -hmm. uh, you don't know anything about following your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a mic drop moment right there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the issue with teachers too, is, I mean, I'll, I'll, teachers have followed their, they want to be a teacher, which is fine, but they don't know anything about being financially successful. They don't know anything mm -hmm. about entrepreneurship, most likely, unless mm -hmm. they become entrepreneurial because they can't live on the $35,000 a year a teacher makes. <laughs> right. Um, so if someone's been a teacher for 20 years, they probably do understand entrepreneurship because they've had to. So they do have a side business in order to survive. But, but you know, that's the issue with teachers is they only know academia. They went mm -hmm. elementary school, middle school, high school, college, master's sure. degree, teaching. They've been in teaching the whole time. They never left yes. school. Now that's they're right. just the teacher. And so to them, grades are of supreme importance. Degrees mm -hmm. are of supreme importance mm -hmm. because that's what they've striven for their entire lives. Yeah. And the way they're measured now is how their children, how the children they teach do that. That's which right. is fine as long as you want to raise teachers. But most people, you know, most people, what they need is not to get more degrees. They need to learn how to follow their actual path and not just say, I've got a goal, but actually how to execute on it. And that's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it, millennials are a generation that was taught to have big dreams and goals and never taught to execute. And you have a very burnt out generation yeah. because- they were taught to have big dreams. They're taught to expect big things. And then their first job was corporate. And either they got fired from it because they're expecting dreams and goals mm. and, you know, unicorn meadows, or yeah. they stayed there and burned out and yeah. just said, oh, these dreams are all a lie. The the world's a lie. Everything sucks. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. either way, it was not good for them. They were ill prepared. Mm -hmm. um, Gen Z is a bit better prepared because they watched, they mm -hmm. watched their their older siblings and parents of the millennial generation get ground under and they're like, all right, the world is very harsh, but some yes. people get ahead. So yes. I probably can too. Right. Um, but right. it's not about hopes and dreams. It's about plans and work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So right. a little bit of sweat equity, as we say, yeah. right? And I think as entrepreneurs, we all need that and we all have it in abundance because it's redefining that goal and that purpose and that calling that you have 
mm-hmm. and really honing that in. So then I ask you the question, what are your intentions with your crafts that you have harnessed and really fine-tuned, especially over the last 20 summit years, I want to say? Um, well, I fine-tuned it in the last two years. I kind of threw a bunch of things in a big bucket for 20 years. Um, right. so, so, so are you asking what's next? I'm asking you, what is your intention with your craft? The craft of not only connections, but embracing the ADHD portion of yourself Mm -hmm. with all the other shows that you have in you feeling more comfortable and much stronger and possibly more confident in who you are. And Mm -hmm. here are my skill sets. So here are the intentions that I want to share with the world. Okay. Yeah. So, so my intention going forward is to do a lot of addition by subtraction. Um, So what I've learned over the last two years is that my success lives not beyond my comfort zone, but deep in my comfort zone. Um, If I'm uncomfortable with something, it's likely because I'm not meant to do it. There's a point in life where you need to stretch your comfort zone because you're not comfortable Mm -hmm. doing anything. But once you've stretched it to its natural boundaries, it doesn't need to stretch any further. So I'm not comfortable cold calling, pitching, closing. Uh, I'm not comfortable making 100 phone calls. I'm not comfortable doing a lot of of minutia type work. Mm -hmm. So I don't do it. I either find a way not to do it or to automate it or to delegate it or just to eliminate it from the system. Mm. Um, And the more I've done that, the more successful I've become. So that's how I run for five. I don't know how many podcasts I run now because I've simplified it. I create, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the... Power Launch Live show is a StreamYard show. So I have an application. People fill it out. I grab some of the, you know, grab people, put them into dates, send them the link, show up, hit start, hit stop, done. That's it. That's all I do. I don't do anything beyond that. It is a 60-minute show that takes me about 65 minutes per episode. Um, Yeah, maybe 68 minutes. I have to send out that first email. (laughs) But it was like eight minutes of overhead plus the 60 minutes of conversation. Because yes. that's what I want to do. I don't yes. want to do more. I don't want to promote it more. So I mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. And the more I lean into that and the more I can leverage my my time and activity, the more success I find, the more I'm able to help other people, the more I'm able to share a message. Um, and so a lot is about finding what are these systems that create high leverage. Mm-hmm. So the, pod, the new Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast is going to get people onto an email list so I can share more knowledge with them, invite mm-hmm. them to a summit and then invite them to a mastermind, which will be just fairly modestly priced, but will charge. Thus I'll be able to build the business with revenue, but also right. give much more impact than just listening to a podcast and give by bringing people together to help each other and, Absolutely. Uh, and support. So it's finding those leverage points where I can do a small thing that can, you know, stand on the right lever and move the world. Um, by helping people, ultimately helping them discover their greatness, their assets, and how they can they can navigate this world and become successful in it. Um, because there's a lot of success out there for people. Yeah. yeah the 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 GDP per capita in the U.S. is sixty seven thousand dollars. So anyone making less than sixty seven thousand dollars a year, someone else has their money. Right. So someone's making twenty thousand a year in the U.S then 47,000 of their dollars is in someone else's hands. Mm. And then you figure out who has their money and what value they can provide to make that person voluntarily hand it over, which mm. is basically how I built my business. 
Um, you know, there's so much wealth. We can one percent of the population can feed the world now. Um, mm. Like I think it's one percent of the world is farmers. So almost everything we do now is is not about food, shelter, survival. I think I don't know the exact number. It's fifteen or twenty percent of the population builds necessities. Mm-hmm. Food, shelter, mm-hmm. water, electricity, whatever. Yeah. And the other 80% do other stuff. Yes. So there's all kinds of other stuff we could be doing. Yeah. Uh, so there, you know, there's plenty of wealth for everyone, especially with automation. There's a lot of, you know, in the old days, there was crap work that needed to be done. Someone needed to clean the toilet. Someone needed to, sure. to make the sugar, sugar cane into sugar. And these were awful jobs. Um, and nowadays we have automation. Yes. You know, if you were to look at a, a modern sugar factory versus a mm-hmm. 17th century sugar factory, uh, nowadays it's people with like, you know, hairnets and white jackets pushing mm-hmm. buttons on machines as something mm-hmm. goes whir, whir, whir and does it. <laughs> um, versus, you know, in the old days, it's like arms getting chopped off in machines and burns and, and right. breathing uh, toxic fumes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no one needs to have awful low paid jobs. The reason people have awful low pay jobs and thus their bosses take their share of the money is because mm-hmm. they left them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. some of that's because there's no, there's no unions. At least here in the U S they're really taking care of those people, but it's also individually. Yeah. This is not the eighties where you don't have a college degree. You can't get a white collar job. This is 2022. That's if you have right. an internet connection, you can make six figures, not tomorrow. You know, you can't be yeah. like, I'm just going to go on the internet, make one twenty. But you can make a living doing any number of things once you realize you can do them. When I Before I figured out what my business was, I was making my living driving Uber, mm. which let me tell you, it does not feel like work at all. It's, walk, it's driving around. You may be able to tell I like talking to people. It was driving <laughs> around, talking to people, listening to audiobooks and podcasts and music and driving my car. Yeah. Like yeah. no part of that is work. <laughs> and I made 30 bucks an hour doing it. So yeah. there's so many opportunities if people can yeah. find them. Absolutely. And it's all, but it all begins with you as an individual and recognizing yes. and trusting that there is more to, to what society and the system that we live in mm-hmm. has created. Yeah. So taking the introspection time like you did over two years and like many did, and I know I have over the last two years, being a little bit more introspective and allowing that to to fuel your next step going forward rather than mm-hmm. saying, okay, I, I did a bit of journaling. It's all good. Okay, now close the yeah. book. Now, now what's next? But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And also recognizing if, if the way you're currently making your living is draining you so you don't have the energy to do that, find a different way to make a living. Yes. You know, it, it may mean doing Instacart or DoorDash or, you know, some simple job where your job is to sit by a door and push a button for eight hours a day. Right. Um, and, you know, because there's so many other opportunities. I mean, the economy is shifting now. It's no longer as yes. much of a worker's market. Mm-hmm. But still, there's so many other opportunities. And especially if you do a little bit of networking. Um, Absolutely. I, I know because I'm starting to put people into jobs. And mm. once I'm starting to figure out where the needs are. It's not hard because once yeah. I make the introduction, the the person employing most of these are are contractors. They're not employees because because that creates a more free flowing yeah. dynamic that we don't have time to get into. But um, mm-hmm. but there's still you know the great opportunities often better than 
quote unquote jobs. Yes. And often it's the employer who is happier to get the introduction than the employee. Yes. Because they've got a need. They need someone to make these calls. They need someone to do these follow-ups or write these things or do the whatever. Mm -hmm. And the person I'm placing, they have a job. It's just a crappy one. And I'm getting them a better one. So so they don't recognize the opportunity, but they're like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll see what's there. Meanwhile, the the entrepreneur I'm placing them with is like, oh, great. I need someone to do this. Like my business Mm -hmm. jumped 10%. So I'm totally happy to pay them a reasonable amount of money because I'm about to make $50,000 a month more. Once I get this block unblocked because of getting this person, of course, I'll pay them $5,000 a month. Why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. And and, I, and that's a beautiful connection and a beautiful gift that you offer to your network and to the individuals you know. Mm-hmm. But I also want to preface it with sometimes it's a temporary measure. Mm-hmm. So sitting by the door, pushing the button or doing Ubering or whatever it is, it can be a temporary measure. And yep. sometimes we need that to reformulate mm-hmm. who we mm-hmm. are, where we want to go, and just settle into it. Because one thing we know for sure, change is going to happen. Yep. So whether you want to embrace it and hold it fully for what it is and ride with it or allow it to pass you by and to change you, that's your choice. Yep. The, the the invitation there is for individuals to to take hold of the change and be in charge of the change. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. and you know, creating the space for it. That's that's why you would Uber because you're absolutely. you know the job you had was exhausting or taking that's up right. all your mental energy. And Ubering doesn't take any mental energy. Just do what the app says. That's it's like right. a video game with your car. It's great. This is <laughs> Michael. This was such a pleasure. Such a pleasure having you on the call today and learning so much more about you and your craft and to be able to utilize your superpowers for the greater good. So thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom, your talents and your gifts. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great to be on here. I'm Naranjan and you've been listening to Master of Your Crafts podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review and join me next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.